recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. You're listening to Under the Cowl. Welcome to episode 10 of Under the Cowl. I'm David Gloyd, co-owner of Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, and your host for this marvelous podcast. Uh, the title of this episode is a little bit misleading, I suppose, uh, as we do not talk about Doctor Who at all, um, although Katie is a Doctor Who fan, and she does quite a bit of talking. This turned into sort of a, a Katie-centric podcast in, in some ways, um, because we kick it off discussing her first time reading Watchmen. Uh, she hasn't read the whole thing yet. She just started. In the past, we've discussed you know how Katie has not yet read Watchmen, and so we kind of joked about it a few times and and finally uh got her to decide to finally take the plunge and she bought a copy of it uh from the store and she started reading it um so she brought it in with her and she starts kind of giving a review of at least the first chapter of of Watchmen and it's a very in-depth review and we discussed that uh, as well as um, some of the related Watchmen materials, uh, Doomsday Clock, which uh, our comic book club is currently reading and talk about on our other podcast, the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast. We also discuss some of the prequel material um, before Watchmen. So after about the half an hour or so of discussing Watchmen, we'll then get into some uh, must-read type reading lists. And we'll discuss a few other things before the show is over. Uh, but, you know, let's get on with it. Still got half a store shut. So you literally bought a store? Yeah. That's amazing. Used to be uh, and we could be Rainbow Harvest. Oh, okay. Recording. I was playing right there right? for years. Nice. He lost his health and I took care of him until the end. Oh my god. Are you recording? Yeah. Oh, it is recording. Okay. He, he basically couldn't pay his fees, and I realized he was losing everything, so I took it over for him. Just That's an amazing sold stuff thing until he did. passed away. That's incredible. You are an amazing human being. <laughs> well, you did something very yeah. amazing. I'm sure that that person Take meant the when you can get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just sad because it is very their sad. children should have been the ones that. Oh my them. gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be insensitive. Oh, oh, you weren't insensitive. Just... It is sad when family isn't yeah. able yeah. or willing to do that. That's very hard. But yeah. you were his family, and that's incredible. You know who else is amazing? Spider-Man. 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 <laughs> Spider-Man. 
Speaking of family, I have to go see mine. I have oh, okay. people visiting, and I have to bring dinner. Ooh. So you all have a good week. Yeah, you and here we thought we were your family, and we were getting oh. dinner, but I see how it goes. Yeah. Next time. I, know, I hadn't eaten all day until that little snack. <laughs> you guys have snacks. Because I thought the gym was buying dinner. I thought that was the whole deal. You're not to the car. I got some of those red lentil snacks <laughs> in my car. Yeah, that's, why, that's, why, that's why Kirby finally showed up. He oh, thought, I need to create a password. He thought there was dinner involved. <laughs> we can get some food if you want. Uh, yeah, so it is recording for uh, an okay. unsicall, uh, whatever. I'll get started. So. Uh, okay, yeah, because we... On a previous yeah. episode, uh, we talked Katie into picking something up that she had not read before. That's right. So I was encouraged to read Watchmen, and I'm like, I will accept this challenge. And uh, uh, a couple of weeks after that, David and I were talking about like what are some essential books that you should read if you want to study and understand comics as a literary genre, and Watchmen was definitely one that came up. I wrote a list of some of the other ones. So uh, we have, I have decided to create a segment called Katie Reads the Classics, and we start with Watchmen by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, published by DC. Um, I just wanted to do my first reactions to it. I haven't gotten time to read it, but I read chapter one. And um, so let me tell you a little bit. There are some different volumes out that you can get of Watchmen. I got a pretty standard one just to trade paperback. There's like before Watchmen, there's hardcovers, there's an annotated volume. So Watchmen fans, you can spend a fortune on this. Um, we got the famous... But you don't have to. No, you do not have to because I got this for $19.99 with club discount. Remember, subscribers can employ their tier discount to get benefits towards books and anything in the store. Um, let me tell you if there's a letter around it. Oh, letterer is also Dave Gibbons. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. So it opens up with an interesting letter from Dave Gibbons. That was nice. And uh, something that I did not expect but very much appreciates is this letter begins with, it began with Bob Dylan. And I, I'm like, okay, Bob Dylan, there we go. I'm into that. I should tell a story about the one time that I think I maybe kind of possibly saw a Bob Dylan concert, but it also could have been a hologram. Um, so that I'm, sounds like a whole different podcast right there. Well, honestly, that's kind of what Under the Cowl is, so this one will be called the Hologram Bob Dylan episode. We open up with the famous, iconic uh, smiley face pin with blood splattered on it. And um, my first reactions are, oh my god, this book is so much more amazing than I expected it to be. I was kind of, like, I didn't really have any expectations, but I was leaning towards the I might not like this. Um, just because Alan Moore is a really incredible, smart, talented guy, but he's also pretty weird and pretty dark. And having read The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, I did enjoy that, but there were moments of violence where I'm like, oh, this is really not for me. Um, they're still very good, and I think everyone should read them. Um, obviously, they're for mature readers, as is this book, because it starts out with um, someone getting thrown through a window. Uh, I loved this because it was just speaking to whatever the heck was going on with me, the very bitter, angry, cynical, disillusioned part of me was hitting me, and Rorschach was like literally speaking things where I'm like, maybe this isn't right, but I have felt this way before. And oh my gosh, it's like watching a movie, the way this is drawn, it's outstanding, right? Like, they have conveyed so much story and motion throughout these panels, right? We got a guy climbing through a broken window. How whack is that? Oh my gosh. And the writing on this, like, 
I see why everyone wants to write like Alan Moore, but nobody can, because this is just outstanding. Like, this is a literary level of writing. Like, this person has read the classics, understood them, and then went ahead and made them their own. And it's so smart and presenting, like, huge, big ideas that, like, you maybe see in high literature and doing it in a comic book. Like, not only is this an adult book, it makes you feel like you are reading something really intelligent and thought-provoking and just... The imagery and the layout is astounding, right? Like, here we, uh, Rorschach is talking to the second night owl, and, like, I didn't really think much of what was in the background, and then we zoom over here, and again, it's like watching a movie. Look at this layout. The guy is sitting there morose, and then we have the costume in the background. Oh, man. And this the concept of the story that there were a bunch of superheroes, and then there was a law that shut them down, and some of them are still employed kind of by the government to be, like, part police person, a police officer, and part superhero, and how different people feel about that. Like, some people were relieved, and some weren't. Like, again, look at this layout, right? Like, today, we would say these colors are, like, Instagram gradient colors, but look at what he did on a sunrise and spacing. Oh, my gosh, right? And obviously, this is a style of comic book drawing we haven't seen for a while, but it's so well-known, right? And See, now listeners at home have to get their own copy so that they can follow along and look at these colors. This is outstanding. Like, just looking at this, you're like, oh my god. Like, just, it's telling me a story without even reading it. And, like, the level of dialogue we're getting, oh man, where, like, Rorschach is, like, running his mouth to uh, Ozymandias, because Rorschach's going around giving people a warning, right? Which is, he's sort of warning people, but it also feels like he's kind of threatening people. Oh man, it's wild. Um, what was it? So, so yeah, you're going through this. You've gotten through the first chapter. Yeah. Keeping it right. Watchmen really is like a read multiple times kind of book because this is a book where there's so much going on between the the story elements, uh, the art. Um, you you really have to go through it more than one time to pick up on. Yeah. Everything that they put in And, like, look at the use of light to direct movement, right? Like, you feel like this is a searchlight, even though this is a two-dimensional image on a page. Your brain is reading along in this. Alan always had that pop in their They really are. Here's the first appearance of Naked Dr. Manhattan, which I'm kind of glad someone prepared me for, because it would have felt weird to just be like, why is there this giant naked blue guy standing around in a secret lab? But, honestly, the image of a mad scientist always, like, cracks me up and intrigues me, and... They're Especially if they're blue and naked. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, blue more so. No, I'm, and he is the ultimate mad scientist. And having read a little bit of um, Doomsday Clock, and obviously Watchmen's been around for a while, I do kind of know where this is going. For um, again, we come back to Alan Moore's use of <laughs> sexual assault, um, which I found kind of shocking in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but it makes a little more sense to me here with the second um, Silk Spider and. She, he's uh, she's obviously very incensed at someone trying to kind of be like, eh, um, that's not a very good way to put that out because she's legitimately angry and asking questions about the nature of superheroes and supervillains. And um, yeah, oh, uh, Rorschach says, I'm not here to speculate on the moral lapses of men who die in the service uh, I came to warn. And then she says, moral lapses. And then uh, they go on and talk more about that. Um, I don't want to read all of Watchmen out because really people should read this for themselves, even if you don't end up liking it. 
Um, and I don't even want to bring that up to be shocking. I just felt like it was used better and made more sense here and illustrated why this Keen Act came around um, versus in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm like, this is clearly like a revenge thing. So I was, and it, that's that's what it is. It is an act of violence. And this is a mature rated title from the vertical line. So as is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So just know what you're getting into. But definitely, I, you know, people can handle this and do what they want with it. Look at, I mean, look at the detail. Like they put graffiti in there and it doesn't just look like they slapped it on there. Like it looks like this could be real graffiti. I'm fangirling out about this art and like I haven't even touched how outstanding the writing is yet. Like looking at this from a writing perspective, I'm like, I need to read this and then I need to study this and then I need to compare contrast. It's almost hard to pin on why it feels so good. Maybe it's just because reading what we have out right now is very different or like I'm used to reading people doing pastiches of Alan Moore where it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do, but you just don't have that skill. Here's filler material, or what I thought would be filler material. I'm like, I don't know why this is in here, but okay. It, it, it's not, in fact, no. I recommend you pay attention yes. to that stuff because it's there for a reason. Yes. All of that stuff that's in there is part of the story. It is, and I read it, and oh my goodness, in three pages, he's telling the most heart-rendering story, and it explains why this person became a superhero, and it also counters to what Rorschach said earlier, where he was effectively saying that um, the individual was really shallow and he was just in it for like the marketing deals and to get toys and you read this and you're like well actually no like there's a huge story behind this and in this in the space of a couple paragraphs he's telling this absolutely tragic story and leads you on this ridiculous journey and oh my goodness gracious like you feel it like this is a book that grabs your mind it grabs your heart it should be really shocking and gross, and yet I am just fascinated with this look at, like, how just bad shit people can get. <laughs> Sorry, but, I mean, this is an, an introspective look at the pain and anger of society at the time that this was written. And I know a lot of people have heralded that this is a, a pivotal moment in superhero genre and has actually made things darker. And... This book doesn't make it dark for no reason like some do today. And I love this book. I am so glad I spent 20 bucks to get this book. I hope I'm going to love the next chapters as much. It was like, I thought I probably wouldn't like it. And like, I mean, they're having dinner and they're having like, I know, I know lately the trope of, oh, we're going out to eat because that's what friends do is really dumb lately and really been overused. But they're having like a deep conversation about, a, what could be a suicide could also be a murder while standing on a rooftop and you're getting in the space of like eight panels so much about the emotions of these characters and the stories and the world they're going through and maybe it is because I feel bitter and burned out and tired a lot lately and I know Rorschach's not setting up to be a very good person but having him be the person who starts telling the story and you follow through with him it's, it's almost scary how many people um, latched onto Rorschach as being oh. like he is the, the opening character. The, the guy to idolize for the story. I haven't read far enough yet because I also feel where Dr. Manhattan's coming from, where it starts out as the innocent pursuit of science to better and improve mankind, right? And it just goes into a descent from madness from there because you just you see so much depravity and ugly, terrible things. And it can either make you very bitter and angry or it can make you really strong. Or in his case, he's so intellectual, it feels like that you're starting to feel things that you haven't really considered before and like the pure 
just logic of science is getting so distorted and perverted and it starts to just make you nuts. And this has been around for a while, so I'm like only kind of sort of, hey, we should talk spoilers, not about this because it's pretty pretty well known and out there. Um, gosh, what was this line that I thought was crazy? Because Katie's the last person on earth to read Watchmen. So. I mean, except for people who were born today, so like in like 20 years. No, nope, no, nope, they read it. Oh, okay. In the womb. They got it like by osmosis, right? It's just passed yeah. in through genes. Um, they call it a podcast version of it. So. Yeah, they should. Um, actually, I would love to see this like in, I know it's been made into a movie, but to someone do this as like a radio play, a very R-rated radio play, that would be cool. There's this, this weird scene um, and it's the Silk Spectre 2 and some other guy whose name I don't remember. They're standing on a roof, right, after someone's just been thrown off a roof. And they said, hey, you remember that guy? The one who pretended to be a super villain so he could get beaten up? Okay, first of all, that's pretty weird. <laughs> and then, um, that was, that was funny. Uh, what happened to him? Oh, uh, well, he pulled it on Rorschach and Rorschach dropped him down an elevator shaft. Right, and we're not seeing any of this, but you feel it, and the fact that they're laughing and reminiscing about it feels sick, but it almost feels very real, because as a superhero, like, you've got to deal with some really weird stuff, and, like, what other people would think, like, oh, this is, like, really messed up, it's just part of their life. Um, and then they, oh my gosh, look at this. Geez, you know, that felt good. There don't seem to be so many laughs around these days. Well, what do you expect? The comedian is dead. At midnight, all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who knows more than they do, Bob Dylan. So it almost feels poetic, which is, how could you say that about a comic book? But honestly, this is genius. Well, I, I have a question for yeah. you, because most of us, you know, <laughs> doing uh, the, the Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast and uh, having uh, Doomsday Clock as one of our club picks, I'm trying to remember if everybody that normally does the club podcast has read Watchmen already <laughs> besides Katie. So you're the only person who's coming oh, into it, it have, having read Doomsday Clock first. Yeah. And then, because we're all comparing, okay, well, how does yeah. how does uh, Doomsday Clock, you know, measure up so far? Mm-hmm. And you're now reading Watchmen for the first time after reading... Uh, Doomsday Clock up to issue, issue whatever that's come out over the past yeah, yeah. 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Um. I'm reading it since I was 16. Yeah, that actually still would probably be appropriate. Yeah. So, um, so now I'm just kind of curious as to yeah. what your your thoughts are on comparing those there's those two books, Doomsday Clock, which is um, kind of uh, I guess somewhat of a sequel mm-hmm. to to Watchmen, but done where they're trying to um, really capture the style of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. As you're going back to Watchmen after reading that, I mean, how, how do you feel that they've done compared to what you're reading now? There is no comparison to this. Even Alan Moore cannot compare to this. Um, but if they were as a follow-up, I found it to be very entertaining, and I would like to see more interaction. It does seem from what I've read, that the DC and Watchmen characters were still kind of separate from each other and it took a while to sort of wrap that story together. Um, we're getting to that point now where I'm looking forward to the confrontation between uh, Dr. Manhattan and the DC Universe characters. But the style they were going for, definitely the earlier issues, I could see those two comparing really well. Um, very similar there. I mean, the voice, no, nobody else can write like this. 
excuse me, but in terms of we're going to aspire to write like this, I would give them about a six and a half out of ten. Um, that, I mean, I feel like Doomsday Clock's a solid book. It's tough to to talk about because I feel like I kind of forget what's happening in Doomsday Clock. Well, yeah, that'll, it that'll has, happen with, you know, two months in between or... And here's longer, another thing, though. I'm reading this in a collected volume, so maybe someone who read it in single issues would, you know, have a similar feeling to what we have with Doomsday Clock, where it's really good, it gets you really excited and ramped up, and each issue does kind of tell a story, and then you got to wait for the next one. So... And that, and that's kind of what I've said about Doomsday Clock too. Is I'm I'm looking forward to it being finished, so I can then go back yeah. and reread the whole thing all together. Yeah, I know for me reading it piecemeal, I would like to get that in a collective edition. But it, as much as anyone can try and emulate Alan Moore, I think they're doing an okay job. Again, I'd say six or seven out of ten. It's a great read. There's been some absolutely standout issues um, from that book that everyone should check out. Um, but yeah, there, there is no comparison, I'm sorry. Uh, still a great book, but it's like you're trying to compare like just being, I don't know, a regular musician to the greatest musician of all time. Not to imply that Alan Moore is the greatest comic book writer of all time. I haven't read enough to know that, but he is great at it. Um, so yeah, they are different. But in terms of trying to work with the characters in the story, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. There is, there is no equal, only imitations, I guess. Um, yeah, I would say six or 7 out of 10 for the other book, comparing it to this. Um, I think their idea was outstanding. I think it's just been a matter of execution. Um, and part of that is the balance of, well, they wanted to make sure there was enough time to do a really good job on the book, particularly from the art perspective. Um, so they said, well, we will delay it. Um, just kind of the timing and the pacing never quite felt like it matched, and maybe it won't all make sense till it's done. But I don't... I would say that's my cursory feeling. I don't have quite enough information to give a holistic approach to it. Um, just to follow up from my earlier conversation, he is using the same gag. Um, not gag. God, that sounds so crass. The same writing technique that he used in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I did find distasteful here again in Watchmen. Um, so yeah, uh, say no to rape. Don't do that. It's very bad. You shouldn't hurt people that way. So, um, but yeah, honestly, I kind of expected that from Alan Moore, and I know that has been something that has made him controversial, but, I mean, for one thing, it's not a real book, and he doesn't do it without reason, so just for people reading that who are, you know, sensitive to that or would care not to read it, you might not want to read Watchmen. I would say for everybody, read a summary of Watchmen first, because I actually went and Wikipedia Watchmen, and that has helped me enjoy it so much more. <laughs> um, there's a movie out, I have not seen it because I was... I don't think it was appropriate for me at the time it came out, and I figured now I want to read this before I watch the movie. I know Alan Moore does not like the movie adaptations of this book, and I did watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen before I read the book, and it was a really entertaining movie, but it is very different than the book. Um, right. And uh, this is a graphically violent. Film. And in There's Sean no Connery's career, because he was yeah. like, "That's it, I'm." Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but. Just outstanding. I'm looking forward to really seeing these characters grow, but honest to God, they're putting more character development and growth and depth in one chapter than I have seen in, like, whole series, and no one else can do it this well as Alan Moore. Um, I'm excited that I bought this book. I really hope I will enjoy all the rest of it as much as I am right now. Here we see uh, the, the herald of the logo we have seen on the Doomsday Clock books where we have the clock set to midnight with blood running down it. So it looks like there's going to be a terrible Armageddon. I think I saw them referring to it as a crystal knot. 
Um, so he's not he's not shy of dealing with very challenging uh, subjects at all. Um, so most everybody knows that. That's kind of one of his hallmarks. I, I think he's a lunatic, but I think he's also a genius. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Look at this amazing space vista. Um, so. Yeah, there's some panels with Dr. Manhattan that are often... Uh, yeah, I've seen these before. They're, they're mistagged as people think it's Silver Surfer, which there's yes. a certain... <laughs> I can see that. It looks like he should have that ironing board. Yeah. yeah. There's no, a I panel where that. when he's sitting down and then there's just like a blue panel box above him yep. and something very, you know, whatever it says. And that's been tagged as Silver Surfer a lot of times. I can I'm, see that. When I'm searching for, you know, conversations and stuff. Surfing. And I've had to tell numerous people being like, oh... Just FYI, and I'm not doing this to be a well actually guy. I'm just saying that's not the Silver Surfer, so just so you know. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I could easily see these being Silver Surfer yeah. pages, but what an outstanding vista. Obviously, Dr. Uh, Manhattan's on Mars right now and Doomsday Clock, so I'm not surprised he ends up there, but I am. It's gross to say I am excited to see his descent into madness, but I am very interested in how they're going to play it out, partially because. I had this really stupid fascination with nuclear history. It's it's so gross and upsetting, but I just can't tear myself away from trying to understand it because it's simultaneously like really dangerous and also one of the most amazing discoveries we have ever had and has enabled all kinds of good and bad scientific development and the science behind it that drove it and the historical need, I find fascinating. So obviously it's inspired by the Manhattan Project. I'm very interested in that and Probably because I watched like way too much X-Files at a vulnerable time in my life. But I like the idea of a secret spooky scientist doing military work for the government and seeing how it all goes wrong. Anyway, this book looks amazing. It's um, So just the tech specs of the book, soft cover, pretty nicely bound. Um, uh, all kinds of reviews for it. One of Time Magazine's 100 best English language novels since 1923. Over 2 million copies in print. Eisner Award winner. Hugo Award winner, a work of ruthless psychological realism. It's a landmark in the graphic novel medium, a masterwork representing the apex of artistry. Remarkable, the would-be heroes of Watchmen have staggeringly complex psychological profiles. The greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced. Lots of reviews there. Um, and these some, are all quotes from Katie. That's right, yes. I wrote all of those. I went back in time, and I have, in fact, worked for Time Entertainment Weekly, the New York Times Book Review, and... Uh, the, oh, apparently I'm the co-creator of Lost. Sorry, Damon Lindelof. I took your job and you didn't even know it. So yeah, I guess I'm uh, slumming it for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. The, all those jobs are wonderful, as is mine. And uh, normally I'm pretty skeptical, or not even skeptical, but I just don't really pay a lot of attention to praise from reviews or not, because like, if I like it, great. And like, oftentimes I have like stuff that reviewers say is totally stupid or they won't give the time of day to, and there'll be ones that reviewers praise, and I'll be like, yeah, I don't really like that. Um, but honestly, this stands up and they sum it up better than I can. Like you should not feel anything, but at best pity and at worst, absolute anger at these characters. And like, I am still very interested in seeing where they go from here. So yeah, you do like that book so far? I do, so far. Oh, I you do? I, I, sorry, I misunderstood. I thought you didn't like it. <laughs> well, I maybe will end up not liking it. I will say I'm only in chapter one. This is like a 400, 300, I don't know how many page volume, but pretty long. And I know it's going to get ugly before the end, so maybe I won't end up liking it. But at least I've liked it so far. There are 414 pages of story plus about 20 pages of uh, in-progress stuff. 
I have only seen my copy in person, and yeah. I'm so glad to see that yours also has like the blood dripping down in some of the scenes you've shown. Yeah. Because I ate mine, or I read mine while eating like hot dogs and oh, stuff. Yeah. So it's good to see that, you know, that's actually how it's supposed yeah. to be. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> well, ho- so. hopefully they're made as well as they used to be. Mine is they are, look really nice. quite old now, yeah. and it's been read several times, and it's still really held up. Pretty well, yeah. so. um, he's not just uh, having weirdly sexual moments between females. We have a whole lot of naked Dr. Manhattan here, so uh, it is balanced. Hey, uh, everyone's, balanced? everyone's naked. <laughs> oh, gosh. So the naked blue man is balanced. The, the naked blue man is balanced. <laughs> he's the opposite of balanced. This guy is Even like on both completely sides. Un- <laughs> <laughs> it's not leaning more one way or another. It's just- <laughs> Well, that's good, because his brain is, like, way over to one side, man. That guy's a nut bar. He's going to, like, just fall and fall hard. I can already feel it. And it's not even so much that he's uh, insane or lost his mind. It's more so that he's just lost his, uh, lost touch with humanity. Really? Okay. Is, and is underwear. Where it goes. Yeah. And underwear, yes. Oh, come on. Which Pants it, are repressive. We well, they, they, kind of, they kind of coincide. So, um, <laughs> so the further away from humanity he gets, the less he wears. Well, we had uh, Dr. Eric Selvig in the uh, yeah. uh, Avengers and, like, Dark World movies where he was getting all crazy and running around, and he was pantsless as well. So. And they said he thought better, and honestly, isn't that true? At the end of that scene when they're trying to, like, you know, get their battle plan, and then everyone all agreed, and then Eric Selvig's just like, I'm going to put on some pants. So, uh, yeah, tech specs for this book, um, 1999. Uh, pretty much available all the time from DC. Come on into the store. Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, and um, it's a mature rated title. It's obviously up to readers what they think is best. Like some adults would never want to read this, and some people would say, "Yes, I let, would let my seventeen-year-old read this." Um, so yeah, make your best judgment, but I think I, everyone should at least attempt I it. I let my seventeen-year-old. Yeah, I did make him yeah. wait until he was seventeen, but yeah. well, I figure that's the age, age limit yeah. for R-rated movies anyway. So and. You know, everyone's got to do what's right for them. I just always like to try and give my feeling of an age rating because I had this, I don't know. Um, I, I read plenty of books when I was younger that other people would say you probably shouldn't have read that. And honestly, half the stuff just went, Ew, anyway. Um, but yeah, I figure if the adults can certainly choose what they want to read if we give them enough information. And it's up to parents and guardians. They know their children far better than I do. Um, and that's what we yeah. do in the store, too. Um most of the time when kids come in here, they're with their parents. Um, not always, but... Uh, so, I mean, we leave we leave it up to the parents yeah. what they want to read. If we feel like the parents are probably completely clueless as to what the book is, we'll kind of let yeah. them know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we leave that to, to the parents. Certainly don't let your 10-year-old read this. Like, I would say an extremely mature 16-year-old and then anything under that, you would either need to read it with them or give them, like, a, a very heavily edited version. Not because of the nudity, right? Like, it's a naked butt. Like, really, who cares? But the themes are pretty mature. Like, the book opens up with a murder and possibly a suicide. Um, and if anyone is struggling with those feelings, you might not want to read this book. And also, please know... You're not alone. It's a very painful illness and social trauma. Uh, you are valuable. You are worth it. Please get help. And also, please don't read Watchmen. <laughs> so, at least not until you're feeling better. Um, but for real, uh, suicide kills. It's an illness. Um, you are loved. 
I, I don't know why I got into that, but I feel like whenever we talk about these sensitive subjects, like a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the, the poison ivy possible self-injury cover. It's always important to remind people that, yes, this is fiction, but uh, those problems are real in real life, and they, they do require help, and you are worth it, and you're not just doomed to a hopeless existence of pain and suffering. Depression's a very real illness. A lot of people have it, but uh, it will be okay. You can work on it. You can get better. You're not alone. Love you. Talk to somebody. Yes. Reach out and touch someone. Unless it's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. don't touch don't, him. Don't reach out and touch Dr. I'm Manhattan. sorry, guys. I just got us on a really stupid train wreck. But Katie reads the classics and also has a public service announcement that you are important. Um, yeah, we'll keep going with the series. I'll touch back in. I am interested, actually, in reading V for Vendetta next. Because um, I guess I just feel very angry at yeah, society. Going into deep, dark areas. I mean, if you're going to read it out, like, why not just do it all at once and then you can say, all right, cool. But I think that'll be interesting. Then. Yeah. Uh, never having read any of the before Watchmen stuff. Yeah, me neither. Um, I, I don't know if... I've read Kirby, I don't know if you've read any of that yeah, stuff. Um, you Did you read all that stuff? or A good amount. There's a couple I didn't follow through, but I... Now, they didn't all try to copy the style of Watchmen, did they, or did they... I've read them once since they've, you know, they've come out, and I read them, I haven't revisited them. The Ozymandias one was my favorite one, because that was the character that didn't really care about in the Watchmen book, mm -hmm. and absolutely loved in the before, the watch, uh, before Watchmen. Yeah, he seems like he'd have a cool story. Yeah, and his uh, was very uh, beautifully done from uh, Len Wein and Jay Lee. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that's definitely a good combo there. But, I mean, the it captured the tone. I think all of them captured the tone, but are you just talking about just, like, panel structure and just narration type or just... Yeah, just kind of overall. I mean, I'm not sure if they varied from book to book. I think they all felt very Watchmen universe, you know. They weren't like, all right, we're going to see Bendis' take on this or this... A Looney Tunes version of... Like, and, and that's what that I... That would be horrifying, but yeah. now I need to see that. Hey, they got the characters, and the summer's coming up. Well, they need to do... It's all Warner Brothers. Maybe they'll do that next. So we're going to see the Looney Tunes characters with the Watchmen universe as opposed to the regular DC. That would be awful, but... Bugs Bunny, Dr. Manhattan. I was just going to say, is there any, like... Or, or, or Dr. Manhattan runs into Marvin Martian. I, know. Yes. I was just going to say Marvin oh, Martian and Dr. Manhattan. Let's do that. Yes, okay, yeah. that would be frightful, but I need that now. Also, Marvin the Martian drawn in, like, the real lifestyle, right? You thought Porky Pig was creepy. Like, Marvin the Martian's going to look so cool in his armor and just, like, a black hole for a face with two googly eyes. We're going to be scarred for life. You guys, let's do it. Jim Lee, Dan DiDio, if you're listening, uh, get those out now. We'll write for uh, copies, I guess. <laughs> so... But yeah, I think all the before Watchmen still very much opening up, kind of like Doomsday Clock, where it's just like, okay, we feel what they're going for here. So, right, yeah, I I don't think anybody's ever going to like recreate Watchmen when doing some sort of a prequel or sequel yeah. or anything no, else. No, no, no. Um, and uh, I I don't think you should even try to roll so hard, but um, but it is nice to see. Them, them doing stuff where at least it feels like it's the same universe. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, when it, where it feels connected in that way. Um, even though the writing's definitely going to be different and uh, and even the art is going to be different. Um, just being able to capture in some way the, the style and the feel 
of the characters and the book and the world, um, I, I, I think will really help if you're trying to do any Watchmen-related stuff. It is weird in Doomsday Clock that, in a way, you're lacking the world mm-hmm. that Watchmen is set in, but at the same time, they're kind of doing a similar thing with the world of the DC universe, and that almost kind of feels weird that now we have all these DC characters in a world where it feels like there's all this panic and and everything that you had in the uh, in the Watchmen universe, and it doesn't feel quite right. And the one thing that I was hoping for is when they first solicited Doomsday Clock, you know, it was supposed to be uh, every month for, for 12 months, and then by the end of it, the rest of the DC stuff was supposed to be caught up with Doomsday Clock yeah. so that they happen together at the same yeah, time. Um, so what I kind of expected to see a little bit more so in the other DC books was the world kind of going more towards what you're seeing of it in Doomsday Clock uh, so that you would kind of understand it. But even as far along as, as we are now, um, you read the other DC books, the, mm-hmm. the world in DC doesn't no. feel like what they've set up in, in Doomsday Clock. But I guess we probably have like a couple more years now or so yeah, right. to, to get to that point. So all the people that were born today that got Watchmen in the womb, by the time Doomsday Clock's finished up, you cannot be old enough to read it. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, granted, I don't normally like to read a lot of dark books. Like, I'm pretty solidly at a PG-13 with books. With the exception of Saga, like we talked about earlier. Um... And I know even Alan Moore was like, my intent was never to make the whole genre dark, right? Like it's been done and now enough. But this is this book just feels cohesively like every little piece went into it and made it amazing. And it's still entertaining. Like this is not a psych textbook. This is a story that is still exciting to read and keeps you going and wanting to see what's next. Um, Definitely. Textbook. Well, <laughs> it, it really, well, it's about the I size of a textbook. I read that about 50 times before my brain would actually... It is the size of a textbook, and I'm glad you brought that up, because anyone who's a student of writing, or does writing, or would like to learn how to write, whether you're learning novels, or manuals, or, I don't know, you're writing menus or something, or you want to learn about comics, read this book. It is a literary book. Like, it's not a novel, but it's literary in every single way possible. You will learn so much about the no- the genre of graphic novels, about comics, about writing, about art, and just how to lay out a story and use all the elements at your disposal to engage your reader's mind and show them and make them feel a story. One of the uh, reasons that I would recommend Watchmen and that we, I, we had talked yeah. about was uh, because Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns um, those two in particular really set the tone for comics, for all the comics that started coming out after those were were released. Um, you started seeing characters really get away from... Um, I mean, you, you had, like, what, the Bronze Age and stuff in between, yeah. the, the Silver Age and whatever, but it wasn't such a drastic change as there was after... Um, after Watchmen and after Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, where you started seeing a lot of a lot more anti-heroes popping mm-hmm. up, you saw a lot of uh, um, just 
darkness in the characters who had been um, much much lighter toned and and in some cases just downright silly um, for for many years before that. Um, so it it kind of set the the tone for all the comics that came afterwards, even up till to today's comics. I mean, I, I think they've just kind of. A lot. Sometimes they back off of it, but they tend to overall get darker and darker and darker. Um, you know, it's like they're always trying to outdo yep. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, oh, they went dark here. Well, yeah, we can we can beat that. But they're dark with a purpose, and I feel like sometimes books right now are missing the mark of okay, why are we writing about these very hard topics? What are what are we trying to do? Are we trying to entertain? Are we trying to shock and terrify? Or are we trying to speak? in a different way about a very real topic going on in our world. And sometimes I feel like there's not really a lot of direction for us. It's just like, well, it's dark because we have to be. Well, okay. Gotta bring mm-hmm. more fun back. I agree. So it's going to be interesting because right now you got a lot of companies that are competing and are going to be bringing all kinds of new characters out. Now oh, that sure. Disney's taking Marvel away from yeah. Netflix and everybody, they're all bringing out their own characters sure, now. Yeah. So it should be pretty interesting. So I want to flip it on you guys. Like, what was your initial reaction to reading Watchmen? First time you maybe went through it or picked up a couple of issues. Like, does anyone remember having a strong feeling or like any thoughts that really stood out to you from it? I I was uh, I actually didn't like it my first time. And and part of that might have been because I had high expectations. You know, people that told me about it talked it up so much, um, and I read it and it's kind of. But like, yeah, I just don't get it. Not not intellectually, I like not getting it or not understanding it. But I just didn't get the the popularity sure. of it. Um, I I, I gave it a second chance and a, a third chance and whatever you know because I I had bought it, so I went back and I revisited it. And I've done the same thing with with movies. Sometimes there's been movies that I watched the first time and I didn't really like it, and years later I happened to see it again, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was. That's better. I don't know why I didn't like it the first time, but I like it now. So I had revisited Watchmen, and I liked it more. And I've read it, uh, you know, I've read it multiple times now, and I still don't think it's as great as what a lot of people had said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, your personal taste come, come, come into play there, too. I would say it absolutely has been overhyped, where, like, at this yeah, point, your expectations are, like, way up. So, you know, or, you know, you've just heard so much about it that you, it's grown to this reputation in your mind. So I could, I definitely agree that it has been overhyped. And, yeah. But but I'm happy to see you enjoying it, well, at, least, at least this far. Um, <laughs> got a lot left. Because, you know, there, there are so many people who have really liked it. Yeah. You know, again, it's personal case. You know, some people... Prefer comedy. Some people prefer horror. So, you know, yeah. everybody's got their own taste. So if it you, really depends on where that falls into yeah. your likes and dislikes. Well, if you look at the majority of my reading list, this is very different than what I read, at least from comics. And I think if I had read this a year ago, I wouldn't have liked it. Because for one thing, I did need escapism a lot. And I had to kind of be like numb and not really go through a lot of emotions, despite the fact I'm an extremely emotional person. Like, I have that almost to a level of like being a problem. Um, 
but reading this now where I am able to feel things more and rationalize and also just kind of feel and express it, uh, this book makes a lot of sense to me. At least the first chapter. I could finish this and be like, well, I see why this is a great book, but I never wanted to read it again, kind of like I have done with, with other books. I would look at this as like classic literature, not like it is a classic, although some people would say it is, but the same way you evaluate that style of book in school or whatever, I mean, you bring up a textbook, there are classes that read this as a textbook. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to read it for I what it is. I had that when I was in school. Oh, I really? <laughs> That's cool, actually. I would love to have had that. Yeah. But, well, yeah. we had a guest a couple weeks ago, Mr. C.J. Standall, who, uh, in addition to being a comic writer, is also a teacher. And he uh, had the idea of wanting to introduce... Um, you know, graphic novels into his English classroom and found that a lot of his students were really benefiting from it and enjoying reading it and then being inspired to work on their own graphic novels. You you listen to our podcast, so you probably heard the whole interview, but uh, no. he did speak on that. He's, so. he's, I'm catching he's, up, he's, but we're still four behind. weeks behind. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, when you get I there, sadly follow like 150 podcasts. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm the same way. We're like, I will listen to a podcast for like two, three days. I'm like, okay, I got enough for now and then go yeah. back. With the exception of Tannis, which I saved for Halloween, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't stop listening to that despite the fact it was terrifying. Um, bring me more Tannis. It usually comes out by now. Um, That's okay. I'm not behind on the listening. I'm behind on the putting, putting them uh, up. I think I've well, got, but including this one, there's probably like four uh, episodes of Under the Cowl right now that are working on being edited and, and put up. I'm still waiting for the Crimson Call in your mouth segment. I know it's coming up. <laughs> what the heck? Well, neither of them have listened to AB oh, Convo. Well, I, I, you guys I, don't I, know I get what you're it, missing. In, in <laughs> fact, I'm apparently fact, not. I, I, I thought about that. Well, none of you listen to Tannis right there. Away, but when we grabbed uh, your expired... Um, milk snack? Milk snack in there. I was like, oh yeah, we can discuss the flavor of... Uh, expired milk snacks. Yeah, um, I forgot what you were talking about now because podcasts and milk snacks. But, uh, and we uh, have requested that people, you know, start sending your pizza mouth and, and stuff. Are you guys saying we should get some food? Because I'd be down Or you that. sample food and yeah. say what you think about it. Oh, let's do a podcast at the Piggly Wiggly sometime where we'll just randomly interview people <laughs> yes. about comics and superheroes while we eat food. We're like, hey, oh, would you I'm your man on the street. Uh, would some you like of a them sample have of our new them. aged cheddar herb cheese fresh from the farm? And also, by the way, what's your opinion on Superman? Uh, have you read that? No, you got birds. We'll all get fired for like, you know, panhandle. Well, actually, no. Maybe you shouldn't do it, but we'll be there so then we can get evicted off the premises. But it'll be fine because, like, it won't affect the rest of us. So we'll just be, like, loitering outside. I was going to suggest that's a great thing to do at a pick and save. <laughs> <laughs> this is me low-key describing some misdemeanors. <laughs> we'll get a permit, guys. Come on. We're not like that. We're cool Actually, here. I heard you say something Burger King in it. What we yeah, should do, I, I'm not is like, we'll just go and shop there, and like while we're shopping, we'll talk to people, and we'll do a subversive podcast. I keep getting all these emails about like disrupting the industry, and do you want to be part of a business that's disrupting the industry? I'm like, no. Do you understand how lawful good I am? I hear disruptive and click delete. Come on. So, yes, anyway, I'm... In addition to the ice cream I had, actually it was like frozen yogurt, but whatever, I took two Excedrin migraine with half caffeine because I got tired of having a headache for three days. So I feel outstanding. 
So what you're saying is this is what happens when you wake up and have a, a Sunday for breakfast. Yes, everyone should do it. It's amazing. Like they had lactose-free almond milk ice cream, which tastes like pudding, and it was like a cookie flavor. So I put like coconut and chocolate syrup on it and a ton of whipped cream. Everybody needs to try it. It's, it'll just make your life. You'll like see a whole new world. I'm sorry that this is your first podcast experience with me, Corby. I'm normally very sedate. Like I said, I do to listen the to the podcast. <laughs> but normally I am like boring to the point of being morose, right? So like I'm actually having a personality for once in my damn life. Um, I was going to ask a very pertinent question. Um, okay, so add to my list of Katie Reads the Classics. Uh, Anthony and Kirby, what are some comic books that you have read that you would say everyone who reads comics needs to read these books? Bartman. Okay, <laughs> who writes Bartman? Is that like Bart Simpson? Yeah, I've it's Bart some, Simpson. Yeah. I've read some Simpsons comics that are pretty good. Or even like, what what are your favorites? Like, even if like someone else wouldn't put these on a top one hundred list, right? Mine would be the Galactus trilogy, uh, issues forty eight through fifty of the Fantastic Four, volume one. God bless you for knowing those numbers. Which That's is beautiful. It's the introduction of the Silver Surfer and Galactus, and it's a three issue story that is legendary. And if I were to think of Classic comics, the Galactus trilogy is that. So I'm happy to tell you my list says Fantastic Four, Coming of Galactus, so that's 48 through 51, you said? Uh, through 50. Okay. 48, 49, 50. Yeah, maybe I should tell you what my list says, and then we'll go from there. That might be helpful. And uh, I want to give a uh, shout-out of appreciation to all of our listeners who are finding us through Spotify. Welcome. We're so glad to have you at Under the Cowl. You can also take a listen to our main podcast, Crimson Cowl Comics Podcast. Uh, this is more of a freeform conversation, whereas that one goes to spoiler picks, not spoiler picks, and news. We're so glad for all of our Spotify listeners and hope you continue to join us. So my list of must-read comics are The Killing Joke, Watchmen, V for Vendetta, The Walking Dead, Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, Kingdom Come, Sandman, Dark Knight Returns, Saga, Marvels, Spawn, Sin City, and then I added in some manga because a lot of people really like that. I'm like, it's a growing part of the genre and has been for decades at this point. I added My Hero Academia, Infinity Gauntlet, which I've already read, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Hellboy, my own personal recommendation, Battle Angel Alita, Fantastic Four, Coming of Galactus, now amended to 48 through uh, 50, and then Mouse. What else should we add to this list? I agree with you with years. Killing Joke. Okay. I wish I could just pop things out of my head, but well, my cog fog just has me always oh, gone, and I can't things okay. pop up after I leave. That's all good. David helped me compile this list a couple weeks ago. I, think yeah. it's, I truly think I like it's beautiful. Ghost Rider. Ooh, Ghost Rider, okay. Any, any particular ghost writer? No, I can't think of any. <laughs> so I like I said, I have multiple sclerosis, so my brain just oh, goes yeah? poof like that okay. when I'm trying to think of anything. Yeah, it's just, no, no worries. I, I love it. I need to write it. stuff down, apparently. I don't have... I haven't joined the cell phone era yet, so I yeah. see everybody with their little backup phones and everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but for real, I think it is beautiful that you about? have. Yeah, I know. I see. You got yeah, the normal one and one for notes. You're an amazing the person, pod, an amazing comic book reader. This is the podcast machine here. So. <laughs> Former phone, now podcast machine. Honestly, for the longest time, I thought it was an iPod Touch, which basically kind of was it, a phone. It was a, tr- a phone turned into an iPod Touch. So. Yeah. so I loved all the What If comics, too. Oh, yeah? Like, oh, cool. All of them that I ever read. Those are fun. I like the Marvel Tales. I like the weird stuff. Ooh. No, I like weird too. 
Is there actually one called Weird Stuff? Because I need that. Weird Tales, I Strange Tales, Weird. I see they get a lot. There's a couple different old, old, old weird ones I used to. Obviously, I like Weird Tales. The only one that can pop in the head. Even though it's a more recent comic, but when I'm trying to think of like something that I would be excited to like, if I talked about it now to re-dive into it, Royal City from Jeff Lemire Ooh, yeah. that I had talked about, wrapped up last year, mm-hmm. story about, you know, a, a younger sibling that had passed away and each family member is seeing a different aged version of that sibling, mm-hmm. even beyond the year that uh, they lived. And it's such a, it's a 14 issue book. That's all it is. I think it's 14, but it's such a, just, you know, try to tell people about comics. And I think it's all about superheroes and mm-hmm. capes yep. and all that kind of stuff. Royal City is just one of those just being like, like if that was a limited series on Netflix, everybody would be talking oh, about yeah. it. Oh yeah. But because Probably will a, be at some point. But yeah, but because it's a comic book, nobody really knows about it beyond the, you know, the, the, the medium, but. Yeah. Royal City is of recent is So I'm a pretty huge zombie fan. How was the Marvel Zombies? I wanna read them but I haven't read them. I've never actually read huh. any Marvel Zombies. Yeah, me neither. I do want to get into it eventually. Nice. I'm trying to think of a Star Wars one I would consider definitive to the genre. And there's some I would consider definitive to Star Wars, but none yet that I would say definitive to the genre. Yeah, if I there goes there goes I had a current picture of my trade paperback hardcover shelves. It'd be one of those where I'd just kind of go down the line and yeah. just be like, here, there, that one. <laughs> like, So I'm trying to like do that uh, in my memory. For sure. No, I think it's outstanding. You have those numbers. Like, You are just not even, in addition to being an outstanding guy, you are an outstanding comic book reader. Yeah, the, the issue 48 of this... Fantastic Four one, just because the... Is that the one with the giant space baby on it that's, like, pointing? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Giant <laughs> Even I know baby. this one. Yeah, that's the, iconic. The Watcher, yeah. Um, I like the space Yeah, what, what comic was that where they called it Space Baby? I don't know, man. It was one you brought in. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, somebody... It feels like it'd be... Was it Cosmic Ghost Rider? Because it feels like a Donnie Yeah, Yeah, I think that's what is a Cosmic Ghost Rider, yeah. But yeah, now since I do have my entire collection in this app, yeah. so now I'm just doing one of those. And David's the one that edits it, so he can mm. have fun taking out any pauses. <laughs> well, here's I don't one, edit this one that I'm already reading. But if someone were to ask me, I would say monstrous. Um, and the only thing weird I find about that is that it's a mature book, and it is. But it won an award for best teen book, and I'm like, well, someone didn't think about that. But um, Monstrous is outstanding, and also landmark for being the first time a woman won an Eisner, and she deserved it. That book's amazing, uh, and it's gorgeous too. Oh my gosh, Sana Takeda does an outstanding job writing that. Like, I know it's supposed to be like a pastiche of real world politics, but honestly, I'm reading it because this is wild other world fantasy adventure with like fox people running around, and it's not a furry book either. It's legitimate. <laughs> this crazy dynamic of like kingdoms fighting with each other oh my gosh and it's just outstanding like you look at that book and you're like whoa what am i looking at here so much drama uh, a guy reading it in trade and sort of want to read it in single issues because i can't wait because i was just getting it from the library but oh man i feel like everyone should try that book if you want to really enjoy something that is a comic book but doesn't feel like one yeah i don't know i'm partial to hellboy at least the first three issues or three volumes everyone should try. 
Like, a lot of these are actually not superhero. So what are some superhero ones that would be good? Yeah, just scrolling through the list and seeing what jumps out at me here. Yep, yep. The superhero ones could be tougher just when you take something from Marvel or DC mm -hmm. and you, you, know, you take out of like an 80 year, 80 year yeah. history and well, just be like, read these five issues of yeah. Spider-Man, but uh, sometimes well, you need this these 10 to yeah. tell that story. But If looking at it through a superhero lens doesn't work, that's fine. I just noticed that most of these are not superhero, which is pretty typical to what I read, so I'm not too surprised by that. I have to tell you though, I think if I met Alan Moore in person, I probably wouldn't like him. I'd be like, I respect you and I think you're an amazing writer, but I don't like you as a person. I'll be soon rediving into his Swamp Thing, which is known as like the best, you know, he That's redefined another one Swamp I Thing. Try. Yeah. Is that one everyone should at least give a shot to? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. I, okay. I enjoyed this. Well, the Swamp Thing I haven't read. And uh, at the end of May is when the new Swamp Thing TV show debuts really? on the DC Universe app, oh. which is uh, once we, uh, actually probably in a couple weeks, I'm probably going to start diving into my sure. reread of all the trades and everything just to get pumped for that show because it's been about 25 years and mm -hmm. while the other ones have kind of dated and kind of look kind of yeah. cheesy and stuff, but uh, <laughs> this one is really based on, yeah. I'm watching uh, Doom Patrol right now oh, yeah. and it's, yeah, with the platform of being DC Universe they're kind of doing what the Marvel did with the Netflix shows yeah. of really yeah. not having any boundaries and just saying, you know, there's, we're not a network that is yeah. having to yeah. play by anyone's guidelines. And so their Swamp Thing, I think, is going to be, we don't, it's it's a month out, give or take, and uh -huh. we still have not seen a trailer or an image of him. And it's so kind of exciting to yeah, see that they're better, just kind of hiding him. Yeah. People at WonderCon or whatever one was recent, uh, they had like a little panel that some people saw a little bit of footage, but I don't even think he was seen yet, so yeah. everyone's still kind of wondering. Honestly, I think that's for the best. Like, you don't want to show too much of your title character. I'm not a fan of trailers. I like them, but I feel like they're almost abused lately, where it's like the trailer is an event, right? And I get wanting to be excited, and you should definitely promote it, but sometimes I'll have like trailers for the trailers, and I'm like... I don't know. It's a little little odd how they're used lately. That's just my take. I will say, I still am just cracked up over the Captain Marvel Black Blackbuster one. I'm sorry. That was awesome. I know it was like to be like, oh, this is the 90s, but Blackbuster! Yeah, you saw it! <laughs> oh, man. Still haven't returned the last movie. <laughs> you yeah. got like a thousand dollars in vibes right now. They're gonna punch you down someday. Yeah, I still got their copy of Billy Madison. So. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Speaking of which, I'm excited about Adam Sandler's uh, hosting SNL yeah, coming up May fourth. Oh, yeah. First time. I didn't realize that. I, I was surprised when I seen that. I'm like, oh. are you sure? Yeah. yeah it feels like you should have done that like ten times. <laughs> As my reaction was like, oh, he hasn't done that in a while. Yeah. Not realizing, oh, he hasn't done that at all. Right. I felt the same way. His special on Netflix called 100% Fresh. I haven't watched it. I put it on the list. Yeah. So good. So I'm one of those that I I'm fine with Adam Sandler. There's a lot yeah. of people who don't like a lot of his later movies because. When you come out of the gate with a with a Happy Gilmore and a Billy Madison and a and a Mr. Deeds and 
Yeah, like when you have wedding singer, when you have all like you have like five yeah. or six huge hits in a row, you know, you're expecting that more and more and you know, he does other movies that maybe you know it's fine if you don't like them, but they always just kind of rag on him so much. Yeah. So for anybody who has been upset with him, I think the one hundred percent fresh stand up special does a lot of original songs. He has a very emotional surprising like it came out of nowhere after hearing his songs where he does a song about chris farley oh, and it is one of the nice. best things you can watch that clip by itself netflix put it up on youtube but the whole special uh i think a lot of people who maybe weren't a big fan of him in the last like 10 or 15 years uh um, put out that much product it's just you can't blame the guy for the 10 percent of bad stuff it's <laughs> just it. like i mean you look at like like i enjoy the grown-ups movies and stuff yeah. but you yeah. know they're the you know cookie cutter type movies and yeah. I watch them not thinking well this better be better than Mr. Deeds or Big Daddy because otherwise I'm out I don't <laughs> yep. watch them for that reason and and it's just yeah you have yeah. a very peaceful heart when it comes <laughs> to your entertainment and I love that like honestly I admire that it's good big, to see him come back to Chris Farley that is nice. I love when I relive those moments and, and man big, that was taken away way too early it was and I was very sad one of the Biggest things, kind of what you said, Katie, there, like, uh, um, I saw the Dukes of Hazard movie when that came out. Oh, me too. I thought that was a hilarious movie. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to uh, uh, hear a different side of me. Um, so I grew up watching the show. No, no, no. Years. I'm not yeah. criticizing you in any yeah, way. No. I think you are well, fantastic this is a perfect as example you are. Here. This is a perfect example of how I got to be that way. Um so grew up with the show through reruns and VHS tapes that oh, my yeah. older brothers would have and oh. then and then TNN finally replayed them when I was growing up and I'd watch them just day and night and after school and all that stuff and they are good. be a big fan of Dukes Hazard and uh, the movie came out and I like uh, Johnny Knoxville and uh, Sean William Scott and everything like that the Super Trooper guys mm-hmm. and I watched it and I would gotten a free ticket through buying the recent Dukes Hazard TV oh, show and DVD so I was like hey I don't even have to pay for the movie ticket which later I was thankful for because oh. I, I I almost left during the movie which oh. I've never done before oh, okay. <laughs> and I wasn't angry I was just like what's going on here and like you know the way the casting was and the characters and some of the weird innuendos like they definitely yeah. Did a Super Troopers esque yeah. comedy take on a Dukes of Hazard thing, and I've only seen it the once. I later found out I didn't know this, but uh, apparently Paul F. Tompkins has a small role in that movie. Really, go for Like one recognize him because I think he had his like face. You know, he didn't have his mustache and yeah. and like honestly, he looks like a different person without that mustache. Oh, yeah. It's scary. And when Burt Reynolds passed away, PFT posted a picture where he's in there with him and, like, Willie Nelson on the set of Dukes of Hazard, and I look at that, and I'm, like, looking closer, I'm looking at who posted it, and I'm just like, that's Paul F. Tompkins? <laughs> so I've since wanted to kind of rewatch it just under that lens, but uh, how I came to uh, to be like this is that it got me to a certain point where I realized, like, why do I dislike that movie? I'm like, it does nothing to the TV show that I loved. I don't have to watch it again. And after that, I just kind of felt like, Aww. like, why am I wasting time, yep. you know, talking about that movie? And uh, and then being a content creator, making like a web series and all the short films and stuff that I did, really kind of put a different perspective on, you know, how much work goes into a certain something. 
And while it's okay to like criticize and be upset and disappointed at things, for me personally, I just think I'm like, well, it probably wasn't that easy to kind of, you know, put that together in the months of, uh, you know, the writing and the art and the production and the editing, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So doing my own stuff kind of gave me that uh, sort of point of view into it. And uh, um, there's one other bit here that I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So I came out with my first movie that I did back in 2004. Uh, a straight to DVD movie, and uh, it's okay. None of us have. Yeah. Well, actually, no. I was gonna say you have put out movies. Sorry, I was gonna say none of us have put out a movie, but that is well, not your statement. So, yeah, but mine have only shown here. Yeah. Well, that just store. makes them all the more exclusive. Like someday someone's gonna have bootlegs of those movies, and they'll go for like three thousand dollars. I'm glad he said bootleg because that goes perfectly into my story. So I made this movie, spent about a year or two making this half hour movie that I look back at now and I just see, wow, this is just horrible and. I would do this better, but everybody does that about everything. But I looked at that and whatever. I made a DVD of it and I sold it for five bucks and I sold it to you know friends at work and got passed around and people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy your movie, five bucks, cool. And then mostly, like, I probably still like you know lost money on it because I bought like all these cases and printed all these like like full black ink colored background DVD covers and spent all this money to like make them. So it wasn't to make any money back. And I did that, and a friend of mine at work, she told me that uh, a co-worker, a younger like, teenage co-worker, came up and said, like, hey, is that Anthony's movie? And she's like, oh, yeah. And then he's, she, he goes, oh, can I borrow that? He's like, I'll burn it to a DVD. And then she's like, what? And he's like, well, he's selling them for five bucks. And he's like, oh, but I got a DVD burner. And like she's like, no. So like sell again or just <laughs> well, for his so, own copy? So he had his own copy rather than paying the five bucks for it, and he knows me. $5. And this was on just I'm like, sure someone could have lent him the five dollars. So, you probably would have given him one and be like, here, have this. That's just it. And then like she told me that and she's just like, No, I'm not letting you do that. Like, what just go buy one, like, you know, blah blah blah. And I heard that and that just kinda like put a different spin on just like, you know, you know, the certain uh you know lack of appreciation for something like that where it's just gonna be like, Oh, I'll just burn this copy even though it's only five bucks and I know the guy that made it and I know everybody that's in the movie. Aww, so that's like, me. So that kind of thing kind of like put an interesting spin on it. My web series ended up getting over like 10,000 views for season one. That kind of surprised me and I expected Aww, I expected 100 views per 10 episodes and I got... Because he watched 100 times yeah. himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who cares? 100 um, views is 100 views. Google algorithms doesn't care. My watching of it was Although all on the, on the movie app. Uh, or the movie uh, maker thing. R.I.P. Um, Microsoft Movie Maker. That was actually really good <laughs> software that I think they should have kept around. But yeah, like so like putting out all that work and kind of seeing people respond and this and that and I had something, uh, I had one weird like critique of something that I just kind of laughed off at, but it was one of those things being like, well, I didn't make it for that person. I made it for me. I didn't make it for the people that's in it, but I made it for me to laugh at and everything. So a lot of that kind of... Spooky. I made it for this one guy, but he doesn't want to pay the five bucks. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> You'll never see it. It all hinged um, on this one person. But yeah, so a lot of that, I think, played into the factor of, you know, if I don't like something, I you know, either don't talk about it or I'm just like, eh, oh, well, I'll just go to this pile of other things that I'll probably like. And so that's right. where that No wonder I piss from, you so. off so bad when I talk about stuff. Now it makes sense. I was never trying to hurt you. I'm just I wouldn't say that. I would just say I'm like, yeah, you know, I could, I'll just 
I feel like because like you have to give some comparison because in your head you know what your pile looks like, but not everyone does. So I feel like if we're doing a podcast review <laughs> of books, it maybe is good to at least like ask questions or say I expected something different from this. I feel really. I was never trying to hurt you. But I wasn't hurt at all. <laughs> I don't even know what specific that'd be. I spent like three <laughs> months being worried. Jesus, I need help. Please, please, somebody help me. I was talking earlier about getting like psychological help for depression and stuff. Apparently, I should not be putting words in anybody's mouth. Like when the Venom movie came out. I thought that was a fun movie. Like See? it's kind of low budget, but like before Avengers came out, like most superhero movies were pretty low budget. Like, but I do understand what it is like to love something and see it not being taken care of. And, like, honestly, people pay for it so they can kind of do, like, whatever they want. Like, not like you shouldn't pirate stuff. Like, no, none of us are perfect. And I know when Napster came out, people went kind of nuts with that. But I'm not saying do what you want with it, like, make a million copies and then sell it. But, I mean, if you want to light it on fire and breathe those fumes, then I guess you can. But, <laughs> sorry, I got way off track, guys. I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. I'm more partial to a lot of cheesier stuff. That's versions the thing, though. of things. They are kind of fun. So I just watched a Dead Rising movie. Yeah. On. yeah. They used to have the Dead Rising video game. But 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 there's there's, there's good cheese and there's bad <laughs> cheese. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You know. Even it's like you were saying you had to retake movies and stuff, and it's like Big Lebowski. I didn't care for it the first time I seen it, but now I love it, and I've seen it probably twenty five more times. It's like. It's, I might get taste like, just changed. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too, right? Where like certain things like. You didn't like them when you were younger, just like food, but now you're like, oh, that's It's like right. five years ago, you went, probably went to like the watch one. Yeah, I, maybe. It's, Although I was feeling pretty dark five years ago, so actually it's probably good I didn't read it because it would have made me even worse. But, actually, uh, Clerks uh, is a movie that I, I didn't really I care for too much for when, I, when I first saw it. I enjoyed um, it, but I had, but a, it but really I had a friend who loved it, so he played it all the time, and you know, it really grew on me. I feel like albums are that way too where I didn't like Pink Floyd until I was 16 years old because my dad loves Pink Floyd and one time when I was little he very well intentionally was like here come watch this because it was like a Pink Floyd video on VH1 Classic when they still played videos and that channel was still alive and it was the video for Welcome to the Machine right like that's not a like downer song to begin with the video is like super creepy and there's imagery of like evil demon rats like running through a maze of blood that turns out to be a skull and that's how it ends and like my little brain like, that's what I remember of that horrifying song from, I was probably playing or doing something way more interesting than listening to Pink Floyd. I did not like Pink Floyd because of that video until I was 16 years old, and my English professor actually played us Dark Side of the Moon as a part of our work on uh, romantic literature and Henry David Thoreau and Walden and all that stuff. And, uh, oh God, who's, not Thoreau, who's uh, the guy that wrote... Ralph Waldo Emerson. As part of our study on that, we listened to Dark Side of the Moon. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, man. Because I was like super into that period of literature because I was a 16-year-old nerd. Um, I still am a nerd. I'm just not 16. Um, yeah. I'm For a me... Big fan of Pink Floyd music, but I'll go to a show. Anytime. Oh, you should. It's well <laughs> worth am. your... It's amazing. <laughs> it's well worth it. Like, it's the best stage show I have ever seen. Totally worth the money. Like, my brother... My brother, yeah, right, I'm not into that. But if you are, I mean, you won't remember the show, but you'll have a really oh, great drug experience. <laughs> you don't want to do it. 
Yeah, it just depends. I'm I'm not really into all that. I'm not even really all that into drinking. I mean, I feel bad for eating like sugar and carbs, but then not too bad because I'm like, well, we could all die tomorrow, so you know, we've all got to have our vices. Mine apparently are comic books and eating Sundays for breakfast. Um, I will say, for me, having just I learned a lot about writing by studying literature and like once you've gone to school for all of that and like worked on like how to tell a story and how to present media and stuff like honestly like there are times where I go to a movie and I just have to shut that part of my brain off because as a teenager I got like way too into analyzing the movie while I was watching it and now it's just like no if I just want to go and relax so I gotta <laughs> shut that part off just, there's a lot of movies I know, it, I know it's a good movie people. but I don't think about like the product placement in it and how they laid it out and like what they were foreshadowing and what's a red herring I know it's a good movie when I don't do that like even if it's not a good movie I know for me it was a good movie experience and that is kind of a level of a problem for me where I have to just kind of turn that part of me off also, I'm a really analytical bitch in real life, too, so maybe that's probably part of it, that we're just getting to, like, my core personality through comic books. Okay, so I've always claimed this club is, like, the equivalent for me, like, some people have for therapy, right? Like, honestly, and you guys have absolutely improved my life for the better. Like, I cannot tell you, like, in terms of numbers what you have all done for me and how much I will forever love you and be appreciative of you. But, uh, yeah, honestly, like, this club makes me a better person than I forgot. Well, we don't make anything on comics, so maybe we should start charging for therapy sessions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, this has definitely improved that. And also enabled me to turn off that part of my brain a little bit better. So it's like, I guess it was in my blood to be doing what I'm doing, but also, yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge. We all need something to overcome, though. Yeah, we all have our demons. Yeah, we do. But if we didn't, we wouldn't have no character either. That's true. Sometimes I have an excess. <laughs> Sorry, podcast listeners. We still love you. Come on in and tell us about your challenges and your quirks <laughs> and what you think of Watchmen. You can do that by coming into the store for comic book clothes at 4 p.m. on every Saturday, tweeting us at the Crimson Cowl, or going to our Facebook page and leaving us a message or a DM about what you think about this podcast or comic books we have been reading, or let us know what you're reading. We always love new ideas. Find us through Google Play Store, Stitcher, Podomatic Podcast, and Apple iTunes. Also now available streaming on Spotify. That was not a recording. <laughs> I also listen to entirely too many podcasts. Mm-hmm. I have to catch up on my comic book podcasts. I like it just because they're regular people like us. Oh, comic cast. They talk about uh, comic books and also sometimes wrestling. So if you like the WWE, they do too. Yeah, I stirred. Yeah, I think that's the one I disturbed not long ago. Yeah, uh, Wayne and Gomer and uh, David, also AKA David, and uh, Boogie Beverly. Yeah. Like just some guys out of like Tennessee, sponsored by uh, Dwayne's World. Not Wayne's World, Dwayne's World. Dwayne's. Yeah, that one's fun. Their back catalog's up on YouTube too. I think the app only hosts like 20 episodes. Yeah, if you need a little inspirational boost, go out and listen to Ron Funches. Ooh. Getting better with your own punches, I believe. That's have some funny comedy. Yeah. I think I first found him on um, um, Spontaneous Nation. That would be good one, too. He's good working on a yeah. TV series. Really? About autism. Yes, his I have son seen his autism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His son at the time of the stand up was pretty little, but yeah, I yeah. saw that one. It was good. Anyone likes mysteries? Uh, Unexplained is a pretty good one, done by some guy out of the UK, Richard McLean Smith. He always adds like Smith afterwards, so it's like, is your name really Richard McLean Smith, or is that just like 
what you tack on so no one can find your actual name or whatever. But Unexplained is fun. The first season was really spooky and then it's kind of gotten a little more just like mysterious stuff. Creator Talks is an outstanding comic book podcast um, hosted by a guy from Chicago. And it's what it sounds like. He has mostly independent creators on. Um, that's fun. Like uh, Bernie Gonzalez has been on there um, from Alternate Comics. He did this really cute one about a little boy and his family wrote a comic. That was adorable. Um, did Alternate Comics close? No, that was Name of okay. I know some people thought that thought. was a slightly bad taste, but yeah. When you click the link, it was to Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up on YouTube. Rick Roll. No, we did get Rick Roll. Also, I was talking about Tannins earlier. They have a couple of offshoot podcasts. The last movie is terrifying. Like, they tell a really frightful story in six hours. Thank you for um, listening to Under the Cowl. I've been your host, David Lloyd. Under the Cowl is recorded live at Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue, West Bend, Wisconsin. You can join us live each week or listen on Automatic and iTunes. Like us on Facebook at Crimson Cowl Comics or on Twitter at The Crimson Cowl.